CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It's time for another Benny J bonus interview brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. Bonus time in the Ben Drosky Show as I speak. It's Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. That's the day we're doing this recording. And I will give you a headline, uh, just a sense of what's in the paper today, so that you know what was going on in the world. Here's, here's a big shock. Corruption in the city of Chicago. My beloved city of Chicago. Lived here for 40-odd years. Uh, and um, former board and review worker who took bribes for tax breaks get three months behind bars. So this is a story about this uh, gentleman who worked for the Border Review, uh, and they the feds filmed him taking cash. He was ca- honestly counting the cash out, and he was going to lower someone's um, assessment so they would have to pay less in taxes. And I laugh at stuff like this, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to get all jaded and cynical about with my with you right now, but I do laugh when I see moments like this, and I'll tell you why. Yes, this gentleman should be uh, punished for taking a bribe. But (laughs) the whole system is corrupt when it comes to property taxes in the city. I have been banging my head against a wall for 30 years about this property tax system in the city of Chicago, how our insane assessment system just guarantees gentrification, just guarantees that people will lose their houses uh, eventually or forced to sell their homes because rising property values means rising property taxes. And it's uh, anyone who has been sort of got that sticker shock moment can tell you at some point you just can't afford to live where you live. And that is part of our process. And why do we keep it? Because so many people benefit from it it's like a whole industry so oh boy here this corrupt border review uh employee who was dumb enough to take cash that dude is just like the most extreme and clearly illegal guy then there's all the illegal stuff that goes on michael joseph madigan for years and years and years the speaker of the house the leader of my beloved democratic party the Democratic Party that I vote for year after year after year. And one of my guests is smiling because she thinks I'm foolish to keep voting for those Democrats. Year after year after year, I vote for the Democratic Party. The leader of the Democratic Party was running his own version, in some ways, of this game. And this is <laughs> this guy's going to jail for it. Folks. We got to get to an acquisition form of uh, assessing property value. If we want to be fair about it, that's all there is to it. That's a subject for another time, a deeper dive. Speaking of things that will never take place. All right, I'm going to shift my attention to my distinguished guests who are patiently awaiting me to finish that rant and uh, join me in a conversation. And uh, so I have two distinguished guests uh, waiting to talk. They come on as partners quite a bit on this show. And it's been too long uh, since they've been on. So I'm going to ask distinguished guests whose first letter is L to introduce herself. Hey, my name is Lorraine Targos, and I am here with uh, my AFGE 704 hat on and my campaign manager for the best alderman of the 25th Ward, Alderman Byron Cicho Lopez, re-election campaign. Okay, and I think that's a hint as who the other distinguished guest uh, is, whose first initial is B. Introduce yourself, distinguished guest. <laughs> and um, I'm Byron Sicho Lopez, and um, I have the distinguished honor to be married to Lorraine Targos, who also has been running the campaign this for the second time. And I really appreciate and always glad to be here with you, Ben and Chris. Thank you so much for, for always being uh, uh, the 
they tore on those politicians and always always speaking truth to power so thank you for for helping put the real light out there in the city of chicago and thank you for inviting us again uh, my pleasure byron my pleasure and uh, first of all before we get uh let's get the personal stuff out of the way the last time i saw byron i was supposed to see learning but she couldn't make it uh we went out to dinner i've talked about this on the show many times in chinatown with our, a friend adolfo i lost a bet so uh i had a <laughs> <laughs> I had a battle. I had to make it. It's Chicago, man. I lost the bet, so I was good on it. Lorene couldn't make it uh, because she was on the verge of giving birth to triplets. Uh, subsequently, uh, you did give birth, so congratulations, heartfelt congratulations to the two of you, uh, pa proud parents of triplets. What's that like, Lorene? We'll start with you. Uh, all of a sudden, you're a mom of three. Go ahead. Yeah, um, we really need to change society ASAP uh, on behalf of uh, parents and mothers. Um, they really want us to get back to work so we can't feed our children. And there's a formula shortage still that nobody cares about. And formula is wildly expensive and everything's just going to get more and more expensive. And childcare is expensive and you know, running a campaign during all that is expensive for your heart and soul. So um, we really need to change the world really, really quickly. And so I hope everyone listening is, you know, doing their part to make sure we elect Brandon Johnson for mayor, for example, um, <laughs> or reelect Byron. And really, uh, you know, not that electoral is the only thing, but then organizing your union. We have all these layoffs going on. Um, so I climate change. I saw a video of Al Gore yelling at something. Um, so, you know, it's just making me, it's just raising the stakes. <laughs> it's raising yeah. the stakes feel a lot higher. Um, when they you said know, that I yell a lot and Al Gore is losing it out there. And yeah. they said, oh, well, and if you see what happens in Chicago, I mean, who, you know, like this is who coldest, wouldn't be yelling? This is know? the coldest winter for the rest of my children's lives. Um, and this has been a very warm winter. Yeah. Oh, that uh, we'll get into. Uh, uh, Lorena is a scientist with the uh, EPA, uh, and has been on the show uh, with alone and with some of her colleagues talking about uh, the Trump cuts at the EPA. And I'd love to get an update on what's going on since uh, Biden took over. Uh, Byron, your thoughts? You're uh, uh, as a dad and an alderman, three kids, three kids. What's that like? Well, first, my my admiration and much love and everything. In between and above and beyond to Lorene, you know, and all the mothers out there that, uh, you know, uh, are really having, um, you know, a really, really difficult time right now in the city of Chicago. You know, we see kids being killed every day, you know, um, every week. So as a father, you know, someone who, um, you know, taught, in fact, you know, in the Benito Juarez High School, the tragedy, one of the, you know, the two kids got killed. Um, it just immediately, you know, comes your kids come to mind and. You know, and furthermore, the mother of of one of the students who was killed was my student when I was teaching at UIC. So, you know, it, it just comes to to mind, you know, why it's so important that we do both electoral as well as grassroots organizing, and just, you know, of course, the the love for people has to be translated to the love for, to service others, you know. So, and obviously, you know, reporting that is rare, like yours, where we can really talk about these issues that um you know sometimes we're not able to get it out of our chests all right well so let's start there uh anybody who listens to the show knows uh that byron uh is one of the leftier members of the chicago city council if not the leftiest member of the chicago city council uh i'm probably the leftiest guy writing in the chicago uh, press uh <laughs> <laughs> and so i was uh I was telling Irene before we went on, I'd say this all the time. I, I suffer from uh, the sense of uh, insecurity, uh, Byron. I just view it, think that anybody who re resembles me politically cannot possibly win because I've been losing uh, <laughs> these elections one after another. And then you won in 2019. And that, that blew up that theory. Um, so what, we'll just start with the most general question, and, and, and that is this. Your stance, think about your stance on police. Think about your stance on taxation. Think about your stance uh, on uh, low-income housing, uh, and all those areas. You're the most. You're one of the leaders in progressive, progressive, progressivity. 
uh, in terms of making the rich pay more uh, and rethinking how we spend uh, police dollars. Uh, are you confident that you can win re-election uh, sure. given that fact? Go ahead. Certainly. I think that we show that um, being being true to our values and on principles and more than anything else on solutions that work can be a choice for uh, for voters in Chicago and across the country. I tell you that, of course, this election is extremely important because, you know, we cannot um, believe for a second, right, that the extreme right, that, you know, the reactionaries, the fascists cannot rise, right? That is also a possibility, right? And that, again, we are in a point where, you know, we got to really um, lead not only with integrity, but with solutions, right? And the solutions that are politicians right now, let's go for f public safety that is a, a, in everyone's mind first, right? Okay. So we got to see how Lori Lightfoot, and again, everybody's criticizing Lori Lightfoot, and it should, for the handling of public safety, certainly. And let's look at what Lori Lightfoot has done. Lori Lightfoot has increased the police budget tremendously. Even during the pandemic, they received not only already a, 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 a very, um, you know, a big budget, but they're receiving huge amounts of money for police uh, overtime. I mean, talk about almost $280 million just in police overtime. So when we talk about the amount of money that goes to the Chicago Police Department, right, 37% of the budget, we have the biggest budget per capita in the country for the Chicago Police Department, but yet look at the results. So in this last month, right in December, the city of Chicago deployed another thousand officers. This is right now happening right now. It didn't do a dent to the issue of safety. If you talk about everybody and all the crowds across the city of Chicago, they tell you no one feels safe. And how will? How are we going to be feel safe when all our money is and a, a lot of our funding is going to a department full of irregularities? Look about, I mean, just last week, the Chicago Police Department paid a millionaire settlement, $130 million for the misconduct and abuses done by the John Birch regime. That is just last week. But we have a history of this. Police misconduct, you know, year after year, already allocated in the last body $90 million in police misconduct settlement. And if you add to that, the situation right now with Inspector General has put forward a really troubling and alarming report about ties of the, of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers in the Chicago Police Department. Now, with all of this in mind, right, and again, all the issues of misconduct, and again, we can go on and on with Adam Toledo and Jeanette Young, you name it. I think that the concerning here, the concern here is that we're building a police state when we are not investing in solutions that work. Look, we right now, and because of this budget, every time the city will tell you, when we talk about violence prevention funds, which we have done here in our world, unfortunately not at the scale and not in the amounts that we have wished and asked for, but these programs, we have a program that we developed with 25th World researchers and, and, and organizers and people from the community. And Love City is a is a filmmaking program, is an acting program, is a really engaging program. Programs like this reduce crime by 75%, this kind of program. Now, we have many, many examples of that. And when we look at the crime, right, and we look at what is actually happening and really have a true, honest assessment, carjackings, for instance, just to name a few, right? Because violent crime is down. Like, the what is down is, is, is murders and all that. But troubling when now we see those statistics starting to change and we got to see how and why carjackings the average age of a carjacker is 16 years old we've seen kids as young as 12 years old being uh, apprehended because of carjackings we see a lot of the robberies and you talk about the street vendors in pilsen in little village we talk about minors people young kids that are right now suffering so let's look at the root causes because everybody's talking about the root causes how do we get here Rahm Emanuel goes and closed 50 schools in the poorest areas of the city of Chicago. They closed half the mental health clinics. Today, we have a national mental health crisis among young people. We have a crisis of mental health. 
and we have poverty. We just remember the Martin Luther King Day. We just celebrated that, right? And every politician will give you a quote about the inequalities and why we have to battle poverty. But the battle, the war on poverty has become the war on the poor. When you are, when we are responding to the issues in Austin and Englewood and Pilsen, a little village and Humboldt Park that had to do with investment, resources, after-school programming, job opportunities, poverty has exacerbated by, by the by the pandemic. We had already in the city of Chicago an issue of mass incarceration with 65,000 homes in black families have an issue just making ends meet. They have maybe one earner in the family because of mass incarceration. You add that to that now violence, when we have at least in the time of the pandemic over 2,000 victims, and you add that to that to the 8,000 essential workers who died. Now we have people who are orphans. We have young kids who have only one income and with inflation and the rents and housing and all that are barely make ends meet. And we're responding to this by putting more police. In fact, Trigger C just said that he's going to commit to put 1,600, 1600 police officers. I don't think even Lightfoot is committed to, to, to that because she knows at least factually the dangers of doing that because as we speak, we have concerns about old keepers and proud boys now being recruited to the Chicago Police Department and the insubordination that we have in the city. Right now in the world, we have two officers that were charged by the state attorney but inappropriate behavior and shooting an armed man. So without accountability, we're going to put more money in a system that doesn't work at the expense of what we know it works. Oh. That is a response to safety. We got to invest in what works and stop pandering for votes. Both Mayor Lightfoot and Trigger Sia have the same plan, a failed plan that is putting people at risk. And that's why we are doing everything we can to elect the only progressive choice that is Commissioner Johnson. And I just have to tell you right now, uh, I got a copy, uh, a press release, right, and I saw it right before uh, I called Lorraine and we set up this interview. And follow me on this, Byron. It came uh, from Mayor Lori Lightfoot's campaign, and it was assailing Chewy Garcia's first commercial. Follow me on what I'm about to tell you. Uh, not from your perspective as a leftist critique of how we're just doing the same old thing. No, no. It was accusing Jesus Chewy Garcia of stealing her ideas. <laughs> I'm not making this up. He stole my ideas. And then it's like a, a line by line comparison of the script, which probably like the same cons consultants working for the same firm wrong. <laughs> anyway. you know? It's like they, I, Jesus, Chewy Garcia, and Lori Lightfoot did not write these plans, ladies and gentlemen. That's so right. it's like a, a word by word analysis to show how they are like very similar. My point, the overall point, Byron, is you're so swimming against the tide on this. Yeah, I know this. Because like when I go out and talk about, you know, this is a by, just like you said, a byproduct of ROM closing schools and ROM closing clinics and all those years of TIF spending and TIF spending and rich money is what poor neighborhood supply die. They go, yeah, Ben, that's right. But my neighbor's car was just carjacked. So don't tell me about that. I need this right now. And there's a sense of frustration, Byron, that it seems like that that message it's not it's very difficult to get through right now at this point in time. Your thoughts? Yes, no, certainly. I mean, and this always been the case. Look, we had the same situation in 2019, right? To talk about, you know, an alternative in a time where, you know, the the whole community was talking about how people were losing their homes. I mean, we've been in a crisis in our community for a while now, right? So when we're talking about, you know, um, corruption and battling corruption or affordable housing and all that in a position where our families are barely making ends meet, where people are losing their homes to foreclosure or losing their, or, or getting evicted. It's hard to get that across, right? Or people get frustrated. However, you know, my, um, my belief in working, my respect to the voters, my respect to working people and their families, it is that so critical that we are truthful and honest in our assessment and that we take the time, the difficult time. Look, We've been having monthly conversations in the world about public safety, right? Mm -hmm. And by us creating these kind of conversations, right, block by block, you know, with, with neighborhood by neighborhood, not only now in Pilsen, but in Chinatown, we forged tremendous, you know, solidarity that in the past, what people said that was impossible to yeah. bring communities together. They told us, look, if you're not even waste your time because the animosity and the segregation, there's no way. In the time of the pandemic, the community came together 
to support each other. Before Life Food was giving, uh, you know, cash assistance and any, we the community was already doing that. $100,000 of cash assistance that our ward did with the support of small business or community PPE. Everything that they did, year, you know, a year later, we already were doing. So I do think that I believe that people are, you know, again, that's what the ideas are so critical, right? And debates and dialogue is so important that we take our time. That's what everybody said. Look, go to the forum. Listen, here, it is, if we continue to react to the problem, we're going to become the reactionaries that we do not, and we know, and the reactionary response and, and the extremism that we see in the country is precisely what we can fall victims of, right? So I do think that the conversations, the top, that's what the politics is about, right? Organizing is going to show us and kind of keep pushing the system. But in these kind of debates, I think, I tell you, Commissioner Johnson has been very clear on the message of what's happening in the and to the young family or the young men in Austin, concerns us in Pilsen, concerns us in, in Lakeview, concerns us in Englewood, it concerns us across the, across the city. So I do think that the conversations and this battle of ideas is critical, right? Because if we, uh, and again, I think President Kennedy said this at the time, right? If we don't make this a, a, a possibility and we don't have this, this these debates, these peaceful, again, uh, debates that are contested, we are going to make violent revolution almost inevitable, right? And the thing that in our goal and our, and our passion is that we believe in democracy. We believe that if we do this debate of ideas and we talk on the ground and we connect the dots and we're connecting communities, I tell you, in the 25th Ward, people got it. Look, they're so desperate here in the 25th Ward that they're not even reporting the money that they're getting, right? They're saying that the, the money that the Real Estate Association and polluters is giving, they're not even reporting it. They do false impersonation. They do all sorts of stuff. Just, they, they had to drop one of the candidates to get all together just to try to stop us. So I believe that by us really being honest and direct and consistent with our solutions, I think that the people, are we, I'm not saying that we're gonna win. I'm saying we can capture the attention of the people. And if we really develop and deliver on the solutions that they see with their own eyes, the Bible and the scripture says very quick, bless are those who don't have to see it to believe it. <laughs> but we know that most people have to see it to believe it. And that's what we're doing here in the 25th world. We're showing despite the odds that it's possible and we got to keep on fighting word by word. I know uh, it's an uphill battle, but I know that we can win. All right. Uh, so let's get to the uh, election itself. And uh, I'll, I'll ask Lorraine, the campaign manager, uh, to weigh in first, and then Byron, your thoughts afterwards uh, on the same question. Uh, I, this is my second go around uh, with Byron Cisho Lopez campaigns where people whisper things to me, Lorraine. And they whisper, whisper, whisper. And I told you this already when we were having our own conversation before. Whisper, whisper, whisper. And I remember 2019, they're whispering that, like, uh, Byron found this uh, Chinese American lady to be his wife uh, or to be his companion in order to win over Chinatown. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I know her. <laughs> they whisper stuff to me, you know, and at the, at the, I, I, I want to say it's a Chicago thing, but it probably exists all over the country. I'm very familiar with it in Chicago. The people will always, they try to pollute a reporter against uh, a candidate, particularly a lefty candidate, by whispering stuff to you. And then they, they just like, that's how they play the game. And my attitude is like, you got something, bring it out. Don't whisper to me. Show me what you got. You don't got anything? So stop whispering. I don't want to hear. Uh, are you getting the same thing, Lorraine, the whisper, whisper, whisper uh, in this go around as well? I am. And uh, it's funny. One of the people doing a majority of the whispering um, is a strategist who also, as she's doing all this whispering, is simultaneously texting me, oh, my God, how are the babies, mama? <laughs> Solidarity from a mama. Let's all be mama mamas. And, you know, that's um, that's kind of why I really appreciate my normie friends who don't get into politics because um, I don't have to deal with that fakeness um, all over the place. It's really, um, you know, people people don't want to talk about the issues. We could be free, you know, tomorrow. It's like we're in this systemically abusive relationship. And if you, if you think about a friend of yours or you're even in your own situation where you're like, I need to get out of this toxic or abusive situation. 
and you see that there are the all these obstacles, all these institutional obstacles to keeping you out. Either your partner is gaslighting you, or you can't get alternative housing, or whatever. And in politics, there are all these little tools that people use to gaslight the voters and that type of thing. Um, you know, last time they were saying that he was buying votes and he was doing whatever. And then I think like the day after Christmas, like in 2020 one or something like that there was a quiet story that came out on wbez um wasn't even listed on their socials but it said that um the attorney general finally has closed their investigation and that absolutely no wrongdoing <clears throat> was found and so you know all that gift buying vote card sorry gift card stuff was absolutely false and Thanks to the investigation, we now that know that for a fact, but then they didn't even report that widely. The same publication that was very broadly reporting, um, you know, the allegations without any evidence. But then we finally have the investigation closed of all those headlines that they had running. But then, you know, oh, it's very quiet. Let's report it the day after Christmas when nobody's looking at the news. Um and then, you know, allow those whispers. And, you know, the other candidates are repeating those whispers pretending as though the investigation hasn't closed. Yeah. And so all of that is to say, you know, what is what are people trying to do? I know Byron isn't in this to be a politician. There's a rumor out there that he has a degree in political science and that he's always <laughs> been trying to be a politician. This guy just became a citizen, like, you know, right shortly before he ran. Um, and like, a like what immigrant who, Byron came here as an unaccompanied minor who spoke no English. How could he possibly have foreseen that he would have the opportunity to represent his peers? And he, he didn't even know that Pilsen existed as a community that would welcome him. And when he found it, he realized it was so valuable. And, you know, the reason there's two educators in this race and only one's been endorsed by other educators like the Chicago Teachers Union and the Cook County Colleges Teachers Union and parent groups across the city. It's because this teacher has been fighting against these systemic defunding of education since he had since he found his voice here and other educators claim that they're out here for our youth and for our families but when Rahm Emanuel was shutting down our schools where were they that silence is where they were yeah Byron your thoughts yeah no I think like the, the the politics in Chicago and, and as you know is um is a battle, you know, not with these individuals, as you said, just with True and, and Chewy and Lightfoot, right? True and Lightfoot are not writing this policy, right? I think they probably, you know, they have, you know, probably Ken Griffin is still sending some notes from Florida, right? After he left, right? You know, but I think that, the, you know, it's clear that the status quo, that the financial industries, right? Uh, the, the, the people really governing, right? They want to see their will, right? They want to protect downtown. They want look, look what they've done to the city. So this is not Lori Lightfoot's all doing, right? This is this is a whole uh this is a whole financial, you know, the the the, the elites that are not willing to really have democracy in the city of Chicago. Look at city council. How many so many of those city council members are leaving, resigning or indicted or 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 really know that they cannot gain re-election, right? And it's because I think people are really fed up, but they also, and again, look, also what the, the role that the media plays, right, into all of that. Today I was just talking to, you know, a, a, a reporter that does it, that fails to report that, you know, my 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 opponent received $10,000 from the Real Estate Association. And still, you know, mentioned that she is, um, you know, she fails to, 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 to note that she's receiving money from the, for the charter school PAC, right? And yeah, of course, reports that I receive money from uh, CTU and um, and others, but says that I have most of my funding comes from labor, which is not true, right? We have almost most of my funding can come from the grassroots, right, and some labor money, but I think that the 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 reality is that we have a very pervasive system, right, where we need to make sure, you know, the you know, uh, media outlets are the fourth power, no doubt about it, right. And this, this, this whole apparatus of deception, how Lightfoot got into power, how they want this, this runoff between Lightfoot and Truth, because that's what the elites want. They want Lightfoot and Truth. They will both do the bidding. 
They will not continue business as usual. And we cannot continue. Every Chicagoan who is really informed and can listen to this message will know that you cannot elect someone who, if you care about property taxes, you cannot be talking about uh, someone who is associated with Michael Madigan because he was the, at the core of a lot of these problems at the state level. You cannot have someone who has really uh, pandered and been combative and continued to destroy your communities like Lori Lightfoot, but you can certainly not have the, you know, both options on the ballot, right? So I think for us is developing an alternative that works and telling with facts and with truth, right? That we have developed an alternative that people can believe and trust in, but it's not an easy, not an easy task when we have to overcome the deception, right? Or the whispering campaign, the, 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 you know, look, I mean, we were accused of all sorts of stuff without, you know, they went to the attorney general without a single proof of evidence right now. You have clear issues right now, even from the crypto. <laughs> the crypto fraud is massive in the Latino community, massive. 40,000 people across the country. The congressman now stepped down from the finance uh, the, the finance the finance committee in the house. Yeah. Because there's a lot of when they said when there's when there's smoke, there's a fire. But again, we need to develop an alternative that is honest and that works. All right. Now uh, I have to set some uh, context here for folks to really understand this. And then I'll, I'll throw this question uh, to Byron and then Lorreen, you can weigh in if you want. So Jesus Chuy Garcia is a congressman. Before that, he was a uh, Cook County commissioner. Uh, he was elevated by Karen Lewis, the late great Karen Lewis, uh, who should have been mayor, but that's a whole other story, uh, to run in 2015. And he forced Rahm into a runoff. In the aftermath, he was embraced and endorsed by Bernie Sanders. And overnight, a relatively quiet, unknown Chicago politician uh, was given the label of a champion of progressivity. Now, this is hard. Uh, Lorraine already made reference to her normie friends, and I smile when she said it because they're <laughs> uh, I, I know exactly what she's saying. Uh, Greg Pratt calls them relatively normal people. Gregory Pratt, shout out, Tribune. Uh, and those are people who don't follow Chicago politics. So it kind of be confusing to people out there, Byron, to hear you criticize Jesus Chuy Garcia when in the minds of many normie Chicagoans, he's a Bernie Sanders guy. And you're the leftiest alderman or one of them in the city council. So how would you be criticizing Jesus Chuy Garcia? People will be surprised to know this. And so I think you should explain a little bit that why it is that you have your differences with Congressman Jesus Garcia, who's now running for uh, mayor of the city of Chicago, of course. So take it away. Yeah. So I, look, I'm not surprised that, you know, the, the investigations that are you know undergoing and the connections, because, look, let's be let's be very I mean, this is fact. This is factual. Jesus Garcia owes his position to former Disgrace Alderman Danny Solis and Cong the other congressman named in that investigation, Luis Gutierrez. He owes his position. He was basically, you know, up, almost appointed, right? He was basically given the, the seat by two elected officials that are directly involved in the indictment and racketeering with command with the command scan. Now, Congressman Garcia, right, again, could have been mayor in 2018. In fact, I asked him directly. In 2019, I said, look, we have a possibility, you know, we we can, you know, we can have the first Latino mayor, we can do this, we can be a progressive movement, right? I was naive, right? <laughs> because they already had a better plan for this, right? So Ram Emanuel, you know, takes away his biggest competitor, right? So Luis Gutierrez and, and, and Danny Solis will have a lot of explaining to do in the next few months, right? In fact, this is going to be starting because the, the, the lawsuit and the whole indictment is going to become very clear for a lot of people on how command and, you know, with utility rates, it's very harmful for seniors, for people. This has consequences, right? These contracts that are done at that level and appointments, Juan Ochoa is very close to uh, Congressman Garcia. Very close. I can attest to that. So when we see that kind of corruption and the facts in our community, look, property taxes in the Pilsen community has skyrocketed like never before, right? They have doubled. They the second or average property tax increase was 46%. The people who double, triple their taxes, they're going to lose their homes. 
we got people in that were victims of crypto that lost their entire savings, right? Out of this lack of oversight. So for me, of course, I would like to have a Latino mayor. I asked for that in 2019. I already asked and I already got my answer. I already got my answer. The answer back then and the answer now is that Congressman Garcia represents the status quo and he's willing to put his career ahead of what's good for the community and the progressive movement. I already saw that. He could stay in Congress. He could have done. In fact, when Commissioner Johnson had asked you know, all of us to come together, right, in a unified front, we already will have a progressive person guaranteed in the runoff if Congressman Garcia would have done the right thing for us, knowing that he has many issues to address, knowing that we have, we needed a united front, knowing what the attack on the black community has been atrocious in the city of Chicago, right? But yet, Congressman Garcia, once again, looks for her personal gain for his career at the expense of the rest of the city. And that I have a problem with. So here's the question that I asked Maureen before we begin the interview. What this, an indictment. Yeah. If the runoff does not include, and it's going to a runoff. We all know the mayor's race is going to a runoff, Byron. Uh, we all know no one is going to get more than 50% of the vote. <laughs> so if your candidate, Brandon Johnson, is not in the runoff and it's Lori Lightfoot versus Jesus Chewy Garcia, Byron, who are you going to endorse? Well, I will have to hold my nose and, uh, again, give a chance to who I know it's going to be Lori Ram 2.0, but I at least will know <laughs> that he will have a whole movement that will call him accountable. So I'll hold my nose and probably vote for Trigger Garcia, but that's why I will do everything I can so that we don't really get that choice, which is what the status quo was. Lori, what's your response to that question? Um, I just want to jump off of that, that, that that's the that's the scenario that the um, status quo wants. If, if Chewy Garcia, you know, Byron said this in the last campaign, you know, politicians give great speeches about their platforms. You cannot believe a lick of it. You have to look at their actions. Just like you can say, oh, you know, I'm going to be a great dad. Go ahead and give birth to those triplets. And, you know, I'm going to be there for you. Don't worry about it. But Byron had to show me with his actions that he's actually going to step up and help with the tremendous load of taking care of triplets. And he absolutely has. And um, so that's part of why those whisper campaigns have to be vetted through me. Because if, you know, if Byron was not the absolute stellar, morally upstanding person um, that he was, I'd be the first to know about it. And our kids would be the first to know about it. And he's wonderful. But um, and he, you know, tries, like, there are people out there trying to live up to their values and self-reflective enough to do it. And so when it comes to Chewy and Lightfoot, you know, the, if Chewy was the progressive that he claims to be, then he wouldn't be in this race, especially knowing all this baggage that he has. I mean, what what is he trying to do? Is he trying to get into the runoff? And then the the crypto thing come and hit in March or the Madigan thing come and hit in March and show that he did have some sort of influence with this Juan Ochoa Madigan thing. You know, Madigan wasn't calling anybody else about who he should appoint to ComEd. Why was he talking to, to Chewy? And, um, you know, what if if that's to hit in March and then Lightfoot gets reelected, is that what Chewie's going for? It's 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 dangerous and it's irresponsible because he, of all people, knows the stakes of this election. And so, you know, who does he work for? Who is he running for? Because he's not running for the people. Is he running for himself? Is he running for his backers who haven't maybe revealed themselves entirely yet? Um, and so, you know, they want the, the system wants somebody like Lori Lightfoot and Chewie because you can get Vallis in there. But Vallis is the wolf, right? Like Malcolm X said, he's the one that he shows his teeth and he shows you, hey, I'm going to be the most police state mayor you've ever met in your life. You look at me, you're going to jail. And um, so, you know, great. And so if if Paul Vallis became mayor, you know, the movement's going to have their little shields out. We're ready. But you get someone like Lightfoot in, you get someone like Chewy in. They maybe they they are also talking about a police state. They are also talking about more police and continuing to starve social services to create an environment where 
violence and grabbing at each other's throats, like, you know, crabs in a bucket. And Brandon's the only one. Hey, you know, I I think we can turn the bucket over and get some like, you know, humanity up in this city. And um, so, you know, if it's down to the two of them, I am going to scream and yell and not uh, <laughs> not say, because, you know, there's the devil, you know, the devil, you don't. I think yeah. we know both of them. So yeah, we don't know. <laughs> scream and yell. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, guys, I've had worse choices. Just want to let you know. I'm going to tell you that right at my life older than you. That if I look at my voting choices down to the years, I've had worse choices by far for many offices. So we'll leave it there. All right. I'm going to pivot a little bit from uh, Chicago mayor, all Chicago automatic politics and talk environment. Uh, and we'll start on the national and then we'll close with the local. And Lorraine, I have um, has been on this show many times talking about her role as a scientist for the uh, EPA uh, and um, in the uh, during the Trump years, her union. And I got a lot, a lot of love for her union. Was on the front lines uh, in the fight against Trump. I'd never seen a federal uh, employees union take such a bold stand, and I was very impressed. And Laureen uh, also did a, her own personal with, um, protest uh, at a, at a ceremony where she was getting an award from the uh, EPA officials, which I've written about. So you folks can check out that article, and I think we talked about it on the show as well. Um, so got a lot of love for that union. And uh, but I'm concerned right now, uh, Lorraine. I read the article in the New York Times, which I know you dutifully read uh, as well. Um, there's been the Trump uh, Trump didn't play, man. Uh, it, it cut the EPA. Uh, they wanted less oversight, less uh, fewer people on the ground uh, checking out to see if there was pollution. Uh, and it's been a slow road back, to put it mildly, uh, within the Biden years, the two years of Biden. Uh, so what's your general assessment of where we are, or the, where the EPA is now? Is it able to uh, fill its function, its need uh, to monitor potential pollution in our country? Well, a lot of my union fellow union members are going to D.C. very soon uh, to the AFGE Legislative Conference, and they're going to be lobbying all of our uh, senators and House of Representative representatives um about the need for increasing staffing. We're doing our contract right now. You know, scientists are making more in the private sector than they are in the EPA. So, you know, Biden says, you know, they, they've given us some more money, but that's been enough to maybe replace who's retiring. Um, and, you know, as we saw in that New York Times article, there's too much work being given to an agency that's at Ronald Reagan staffing levels. And we need to get that. We're at about 14,000 workforce right now. We need to get that up to minimum 17,000. And so they've been hiring, but it's just not at the capacity that we need to get out all the work that needs to be done. And it's being put on all, all these people who are really overworked, underpaid, not appreciated. Um, and they need to step up. It's not enough. It's not enough. They need to do better. And, um, you know, our congressional leaders are going to hear about how they absolutely need to increase the amount of funding at APA and have a mandate to do a lot of hiring and internally to have promotions be a lot more equitable because we still have a system that disproportionately pr promotes um, people of the Caucasian European descent and our holding back people of color and uh, black and brown workers. And so that also affects, you know, our goals for environmental justice and addressing climate change. Our agency needs to reflect um, the American people. Well, you know, and uh, it's also we need a referee, if you will. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you saw this. Or I can't remember if I sent it to you, uh, Laureen. I sent it out to various people. I just don't remember if I sent it to you. Uh, there was a story uh, in the paper not too long ago uh, where uh, Harvard scientists, I think it was, uh, wrote a research study of Exxon scientists. Now, follow me on what I'm about to tell you, who had accurately predicted the impact of climate change mm -hmm. and global warming. Uh, this is years ago, years ago, scientists working for Exxon predicted this. And <laughs> their their research was essentially 
put into a, a box uh, marked don't open and Exxon uh, stood to their party line that uh, climate change is there's uncertain uh, it's political motivation and basically uh, to feed the notion that it's a hoax while their scientists had come to the conclusion that it was real. That's frightening to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's all about temporary profits. I mean, if they had just pivoted, Laureen, it's like, you know what? Maybe we should head in another direction. Maybe we should move away uh, from these kinds of fuels, go into a different, like change uh, our business model, if you will. Mm-hmm. We will make continue to make money as a capitalist country, okay? I mean, a company, but we won't be living a lie. And so I was, we hope that the EPA would represent like the unbiased. It doesn't have the, it doesn't have the teeth. It doesn't have the political strength to do it. It is held back by the corporations who run this country. And, you know, the, you know, we have one of the most, um, you know, fighting local, uh, unions in the, in the federal workforce, but it's not enough to stand up to what is essentially, you know, we are in a 500 year colonial project where, you know, they decided that nature didn't matter. And that's been institutionalized generation over generation. And, you know, to the point where we're us being inextricably linked with ecosystems and nature will go down. I mean, there was just, you know, I heard of a child swept away in floods in California. And, um, you know, that child was killed by this massive crime against humanity that still has not been addressed. And yet who's on the local news every night? Someone who stole diapers, someone who walked out of a Walmart with some extra formula cans, you know. Um, we need to, like, we as a society need to reflect in on ourselves. What are we doing on our next door apps, worrying about stolen packages when let's get down to the root causes of the true systemic problems in our society and put humanity first in trying to solve them instead of accepting the narrative given to us by the ruling class that there's among the ruling class, among the working class, there's bad guys and good guys, and we need to separate ourselves out. So just to divide us internally so they can continue to keep conquering us. And we're just doing the same thing after, after over and over again. And I hope that my generation millennials, you know, step away from these uh, folks in Congress who are 80 and telling us not to worry that there's no snow, um, you know, and, and rapidly create a new, uh, a new society that is oriented around our survival and the thriving of our our people because you know everyone's in crisis everyone is despairing um there's so much death and suffering around us and the solution comes from us comes from our humanity not from a corporate narrative wow i have higher hopes for the millennials than i do for the baby boomers that's for certain i say that as a baby boomer uh, and what a worthless generation, <laughs> the baby boomers. I say that as a baby boomer. I like the music of the baby boomers. Don't get me wrong, Lorraine, okay? But, I mean, they killed off the leaders. So, yeah. uh, Just look at you have elected baby boomers. As soon as that war in Vietnam was over and you weren't under the threat of the draft, man, you guys just went over and became Reaganites. <laughs> uh, we'll close uh, while we're on the subject of the environment. Byron, the city of Chicago has decided it doesn't need a Department of the Environment. Uh, <laughs> What a city. Uh, we don't need mental health clinics. We don't need a Department of Environment. We're all good. Uh, police just work more. Okay. Just work more overtime. All right. That's the city of Chicago. I've lived in for 41. I could have lived anywhere, Byron. I chose to live here. Um, your thoughts. We'll close with this. Uh, your thoughts uh, tying to what uh, Lorraine just said about the city of Chicago not having a Department of Environment. Go ahead. Well, it was well, just an, another promise of, of Mayor Lightfoot, you know, another broken promise. Uh, it is critical, and I think, I mean, we're seeing with the multiple cases of environmental injustice, we see how critical it is for us as a city, as, as a society, as a country, to take the issue of the environment seriously. We need a department, a uh, fully funded department, so that we can address the challenges ahead. We're seeing with the Hilco, Marasfal, General Iron, you name it. 
we have an issue that must be addressed and we must invest in departments so that we can have proper oversight. In fact, right now in, in, in our world, one of the things that we've been, and it's incredible because we don't take advantage of the opportunities that are out there even, you know, the, um, the federal government right now have plenty of incentives for moving corridors to greener corridors to create more uh, renewable energies, you name it. Yet we continue to choose because we allow big polluters to pay uh, to play and continue and perpetuate the issues of pollution in their city. We still haven't moved what other municipalities have done, right? And taking advantage by regulating, by making sure that we vet these proposals based on the base, on the impact and the health of the residents. I move towards proposal that is just as, um, uh, if, you know, uh, just can bring as much revenue. Like right now, see municipalities that are starting to move their uh, public transportation fleets to come to electric vehicles. We start to move to renewable energies, but yet the city of Chicago continues to stay behind. And we gotta make sure that we continue to create jobs for the future. Renewable energies we know is the future. We cannot allow that these reactionaries and polluters to to keep us, you know, centuries behind when we have opportunities right now. So we must have a department so that we can have innovative solutions to the current troubles that we face. The other thing that we've done in our administration, I think that with the department, we can be so, so much more efficient, so much better. We have, we're the only community who got a commitment for the Region 5 EPA to conduct a community impact study so that we can start looking and assessing the current cor or the, the corridors in a community way. So we cannot continue to prove right now as we've seen in the Mad Asphalt, and then you got General Iron, and you have a so and on and on. We have kids, we have seniors, we have kids that need to, to have, and they have the constitutional right to clean air and clean water. And we have not only the research, we have opportunities that are funded at the federal level, state level. We're still not doing that because we don't have a department that can implement the policies that already have, that we created on our own, but will be so much more effective if we have a department that can conduct these oversight inspections, assessments, and more than anything else, move us forward to a future that our kids at least will have an opportunity. And, you know, this issue of environment cannot be dismissed. Let's see what's happening in Atlanta too. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the connection between the police state and environmental injustices, right? We have uh, Tortuguita, a longtime uh, community activist that was murdered, and it's got to call as it is, was murdered, and, and we all can see what exactly had happened, and we need an independent investigation. But when we move to police states like that, and we fail to address the needs and the demands, and, the, and, and, and we fail to, sigh, to seize the urgency of the moment, let's not be surprised. We see also the cases of uh, Steve Donsinger in, in New York, and an attorney that gets persecuted by 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 uh, the fossil fuel industry um, for the work that he's doing to protect the well-being not only in our local communities but across the country. Yeah, I, I just you know I reached I reached out to him and he didn't respond. But uh, I know uh, uh, you try to hook us up a, a long time ago, Byron. All right, uh, we've run out of time. Uh, Byron Noreen, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you for thank you, us. thank you. Man. Always a pleasure, and Chris as well. Yes, uh, best of luck to you. Uh, so that's Lorraine Terros and Byron Cisha Lopez. Uh, Byron's the alderman of the 25th Ward and is running for re-election. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.